Jesus, Jesus, we just come before you today. Lord, and we surrender our all to you. All our burdens, all our challenges, our sickness, our financial situation, our unsaved family and friends. We surrender it all to you and acknowledge that in ourselves we can do nothing. We can do nothing, but you can. You break through. You turn circumstances around. You part seas where there's oceans so that we can make a way through. You're the way maker. You are the great provider. You're our salvation. You're our hope. You're our anchor when the storm is heavy. And today, Lord, we surrender our lives to you. And I wonder if we could all do a tiny step forward as an an acknowledgement of just leaning into the Lord Jesus, our Saviour. We lean into you, Jesus. We fall into your open arms because you love us. You died for us. You stood in the gap where we were so deserved, but you took it all. You took it all. So we can come boldly into your throne room of grace. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we thank you. Let your presence fall this morning, Lord. Let your peace come. Let it saturate every heart right now, those that are in the room and those that are listening. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Amen. You guys can take a seat. Wow, what a beautiful moment in the presence of God. I often say, you know, I don't know where I'd be. I don't think I would be alive today if it wasn't for Jesus. And I'm so grateful for his presence in my life. Amen. And I hope your morning is going well so far. Um, Welcome to everybody and again to the people online. Hi, Mum, if you're watching, say hi to everyone for me. Campbells and the Sattlers, we love you, we miss you. Hope you have a great time away. Try not to put too many photos of your great time away on, on Facebook. Just kidding, just kidding. Um, it's an honour and a privilege to um, stand before you again this morning. It's never something that I take lightly. And I often say I'm not a theologian, I'm just a simple girl who loves Jesus. And uh, hopefully the message this morning will encourage you in your walk with God and draw you closer to the Lord. And I guess a lot has happened since I last shared. One thing that has become a slight obsession for me is my fish tank. So we had a dog. It lasted for about five minutes. Long story. We no longer have said dog. So to appease my child, we got goldfish. And then it migrated from goldfish to tropical fish to appease the kid. But it's become my obsession. (laughs) So two tanks and 40 fish later. Yeah. But... um, 
it's, um, it's actually quite therapeutic just to watch them all swimming around. It's quite stressful because you've got to get the water right. You've got to get it all in. Yeah, it's stressful. But I'm, I love it. I love it. And I often find myself just sitting there in the mornings with my cup of coffee just watching them. It's really cool. Um, they have weird names. I didn't name them all. We have a, an angel fish called Spotty Dotty. We've got Fred and Barney who are some sucker fish. We've got a couple of other angel fish called Salt and Pepper. Um, that's the ones that I remember so far. And apparently it's bad luck to name your fish because then they die But anyway. So, you know, after having about nearly 40 fish, um, I've given up on naming them. <laughs> but um, also since I spoke with you guys last, a lot has happened. Um, God has really been taking me on a journey and he's really been stirring me up with different things. Um, some of that I shared in my last message, New Year, New Purpose, if you remember. But there's been a stirring and a shifting in my personal walk with God. And over Christmas, as I was scrolling through Netflix to watch something one night, I stumbled across the movie called The Shack. Um, some of you may have read the movie and have seen the movie. And I know it came out ages ago, so I'm so late on that one. But, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting movie. And then a work colleague of mine encouraged me to read a book called Heaven is for Real. <laughs> oh my goodness, I sobbed through that book. I'm such a sook when it comes to stuff like that. But it stirred something in me. It's like these two, you know, the book and the movie just started stirring something in me. Now I know it might seem odd to say this, but for the first time in my walk with the Lord, I actually got... A different revelation that Jesus is real, like he's a real person. I know that sounds weird, but it was like the concept that I had out here started to become right here. Now, I know Jesus is real. My faith is real, you know. But I felt like God was adding a new layer of revelation, if that makes sense. And then fast forward to this year, stirrings continue, and I finally started watching the TV series The Chosen. Again, I'm a bit late on that one. <laughs> I think they're up to nearly season four. Um, but it just gives such a beautiful insight into possibly what was happening on the peripherals and behind the scenes in the Gospels. It's fictional, but it's intertwined with biblical accounts. And then I felt compelled to enrol in the course of emotionally healthy discipleship and the stirring <laughs> continues. God is leading me on a journey to something new, something deeper and awakening something in me, shifting the way I think about things, I guess to be more in line with his thinking. He's leading me on a journey to go deeper and to have a deeper revelation of who he is. And he's awakening something in me I've yet to discover. And I'm wondering if some of you here this morning are on a similar journey, that God's just, there's a stirring, there's a rumbling. Maybe the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on things and stirring you, awakening you. And I guess my encouragement to you this morning is don't ignore it. Lean in. Taste and see that the Lord is good. All this rolling around and stirring around, I'm left with a sense of, okay, okay, but what now? It's such an interesting place to be in. And coming off the back of Easter, I was thinking about the disciples. And it led me to read the book of Acts. I was wondering if the, the disciples... We're left with that feeling of, okay, okay, what now? They had walked with Jesus. They had seen so many amazing things. 
Jesus had just died and then was raised to life again. He then appears to them again, only to be ascend, only to ascend to heaven with a promise that he would return. And we know from the disciples that they got it, but then they kind of didn't at the same time. <laughs> there was faith, there was revelation, they were in ministry, but there was more that the Lord was leading them into. And I guess that sounds a little bit familiar, doesn't it? And I'm wondering if in those moments after Jesus had ascended, whether they were like, okay, okay, what now? Maybe like me, God's stirring those things and in you, rumblings in you. But maybe if you're not in that place of the what now in terms of God stirring, maybe you're in an in-between season in life. You're not kind of sure which way to go and you're still thinking to yourself, well, what now? So I want to share from some thoughts on living in the what now. <laughs> is that okay? So the first one is do the last thing God told you and if you don't know what that is, keep on keeping on until you hear differently. You know, I've battled for a long time with what do I want to be when I grow up? I haven't had that burning revelation or God word, life calling, like some people do, like to be a worship leader or a teacher or a pastor or a doctor. Phil always knew that he wanted to be a builder and I really envy that, just knowing what you know what you want to be because I don't have that. And sometimes over the years it's been quite a source of frustration and oftentimes when Phil and I talk about this together, he always says to me, do the last thing God told you or just keep on keeping on until you get another answer. And in this season of the God stirring in my spirit and God drawing me, it's no different. You know, Phil encourages me in the same thing. There's no clarity in my path. There's a stirring, but there's no next step. There's no God word or directive, and it's literally like what now? And in, the, in chapter 1 of the book of Acts, we get the last accounts of Jesus before he ascends to heaven and leaves the disciples on their own. He does give them one last directive. One of the last things Jesus says to his disciples, he says, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait there until you receive the Holy Spirit. And you can read that, chapter 1, verse 4. Then Jesus ascends and he's with them no more. The, the disciples now no longer had Jesus. He had ascended into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. It wasn't for another 10 days before the Holy Spirit came down on the day of Pentecost. Man, those 10 days must have felt like an eternity. 10 days. They didn't know how long they needed to wait or how even the Holy Spirit was coming. All they had was this last directive that Jesus gave them, don't leave and wait. I wonder what they were thinking in those 10 days. You know, we can often put the, the disciples on a pedestal, can't we? Thinking that, you know, they had it all together in one sense. But they were just simple people like me and you. And I love the, the series, The Chosen, that I've been watching because it kind of gives that insight into the humanity of them, their quirks and their hu humanness. But they were everyday like people like you and me. Were they impatient? Were they doubtful? Were they scared? Did they ask each other, how long should we wait? Did they discuss how the Holy Spirit would come? Did they second guess the directive? I wonder. 
But you know what? The main thing is they did what Jesus asked them to do. And boy, did it pay off. Because they did amazing things through the Holy Spirit after the day of Pentecost. But what if you don't have that God directive like the disciples and you're a bit like me? What if like me, you're, there is no burning God word or directive? And what if in your season of the what now there is silence? Then keep on keeping on. Amen? Keep on keeping on. I think in life there are so many keep on keeping ons until the until. Let me encourage you in that not to give up and to not lose faith. Not lose hope. Because it's sometimes in the waiting that God builds in us resolve and he builds in us character. Strengthens our faith and he proves himself as faithful. Galatians 6.9 reminds us, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. The key thing is not to give up. Keep on keeping on until. So that then leads me to the next point of living in the what now. Wait and be ready. How many of you have ordered a taxi before? Yeah? Yeah? few nods there what do you do while you wait have any of you who've ordered a taxi been so distracted in the waiting that the taxi's been and gone I'm terrible I hover I'm constantly looking at the window you know is, the ta- is it here is it here there in case I miss it but as soon as the taxi's there I've got myself and out out I'm ready to go and it's the same if someone's giving me a lift or picking me up I watch the clock I'm a hook I I I have to resist the urge to stand in my open door, like in my front door. And the only reason why that, you know, I don't do that is because I let the bugs in. That is probably a little bit obsessive and uh, creepy. But that probably says more about my personality type than anything. But I feel like it's the same as the wait and be ready, like you're waiting for a taxi. It's this kind of waiting. You're waiting but you're ready at the same time. I found some quotes online about waiting, or a couple of of them at least. Of all the hardships a person has to face, none is more punishing than the simple act of waiting. You usually have to wait for that which is worth waiting for. And it's so true. I I don't think as humans we're very good at waiting, are we? Our lifestyles today is everything about why wait when you can have it now? And I think we've lost the art of waiting. I think it does us good sometimes to wait and to learn to be ready in the waiting. So what did that look like for the disciples in their time of what now? And if we go back to the book of Acts and you can read it in um, chapter 1, 12 to 14, it gives us insight. We read that the disciples went back to where they were told to be. And while they were waiting, they were readying themselves by devoting themselves to prayer. You see, Jesus had been modelling to them a lifestyle of communing with God and what that looked like. So in their time of the what now, they were doing what Jesus had shown them to do. They were readying themselves in the waiting. And for me and you, I'm not so sure it's all that different from way back then. Um, Some of you may or may not know Merv Knight. He helped found Voice of the Martyrs Australia with Richard Wormbrand. And being a not-for-profit, there's abundant need out there. 
abundant need, so much need, so many desperate people in desperate situations. And there's so many directions the organisation could go in, so many areas we could play a part in. But Merv's little mandate to us is keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> and I love that. I'm, I'm reminded of that and the way the disciples were. They were keeping the main thing the main thing. The simplicity of communing with God and making that their main priority. Just like Jesus. In keeping those simple practices in place, they were readying themselves in the waiting And how do we ready ourselves? It's the same. The simplicity of communing with God and making that our priority. Worship, prayer, the word, withdrawing, keeping a Sabbath, slowing down enough to hear the answers to the prayers we've been praying. Here's a couple of scriptures to encourage you in the waiting. Psalm 27 verse 14, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him, or the heart that seeks him. Psalm 37 verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And Psalm 37.34, wait for the Lord and keep his way and he will exalt you to inherit the land. And it was interesting as I was preparing this message and poor Phil, my husband, uh, He's my sounding board, and I don't know how many times he has to listen to me going over and over it, um, but he's very gracious. And he said something interesting to me. He said, after Jesus' resurrection and he came back and he appeared to people, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15.6 that there was about 500 people. But then you jump to Acts 1.15 and it talks about Peter beginning to share amongst the believers that were there in that place that they were waiting there was 120 what happened to the 380 were they really ready were they prepared my prayer is that I will never be one of the 380 (laughs) just an interesting thought my third point where am I up to What God asks you to do next or what he leads you through may or may not be what you're thinking or anticipating. You know, I'm a bit of a bandit for those detective shows. I especially like the ones that come out of the UK where they're in bleak and drab places. I love that intrigue and that dialogue and, you know, Phil and I will often go, I bet you he did it. No, I reckon she did it. And I feel really disappointed when I guess who it is because I'm like... You know, I like being held captive and wondering, you know. And I'm glad that not many of them are predictable, but some of them are. But I get a buzz out of watching watching them and then finding out that the culprit is never who I thought it would be. Oh, I didn't see that coming. I love it. Love it. That's a clever plot and it's so good. And I think sometimes in life, God can be like that with us. He lives in that realm of unpredictable in that sense, don't you reckon? We don't get all the pieces at once. You see, we, we like the predictable. We can easily operate in the predictable. We're in control in the predictable. There's comfortability in the predictable. I think for me, comfort 
that word comfort and comfortability as a Christian is going, becoming a, a bad thing because I don't want to be comfortable because if I'm comfortable, it means I'm walking in my own strength, right? God really doesn't operate in that comfortability because he wants us to give him the control, give him the, the lead and not the other way around. And anyone who's walked with the Lord for five minutes can probably attest to that. So living in the what now, when God finally gives us a directive or a lead, it can be a little bit out of left field. And I'm wondering if the disciples felt that after the Pentecost, when the persecution came. You see, after Pentecost, they were doing amazing things. Peter was preaching the word, people were being healed and saved. But the pressure began. The religious leaders were getting all flustered, even the Romans, and they managed to get a hold of Stephen and stone him. And before you know it, persecution came and they were scattered. What now? You see, Jesus had said to the disciples, the Holy Spirit would come on you and they were going to be there, his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8. And at this point, they hadn't even left Jerusalem. Was the persecution the catalyst to them to go out because they weren't heading out? I don't know. But whatever the reason, I can be sure it wasn't what they were anticipating. I love, though, that it didn't stop them from doing what Jesus commanded. Philip ends up in Samaria and begins to share the gospel. And then we're introduced to Saul, who gets converted to Paul. I bet Saul, never in his wildest dreams, ever thought that his vigour and zealousness for the Lord would have him operating on what he deemed the opposite team. It wasn't on his to-do list. And what about poor Ananias? You know, he gets, a, he gets a leading from the Lord to go and help Saul, to meet him. I, I don't know if that was on his to-do list either. <laughs> you can read about that in chapter 9 of Acts. And then fast forward to, in Acts to chapter 10, and Peter gets a revelation from God, a word from God that is totally out of left field. From verse 9 of that chapter, we read that Peter gets a vision from God to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Jews and Gentiles did not communicate in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Talk about that as a plot that is totally unexpected. I think someone had coined the phrase, the unexpectedlies of God. Say that fast ten times. And I can't remember who that was. The unexpectedly of God. Peter had a massive unexpectedly from God. But everything had been leading up to this point and he was ready. The unexpectedly from God. It's in those places that we find the faithfulness of God. It's in those places we see the exceedingly abundantly of God. And it's in those places we find our testimony. Our testimony to the majesty and the wonder and the awesomeness of God. It's in those places we see that God is for us and not against us. And it's in those places that we realise he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Because at the heart of it all is his relationship with his greatest treasure. Me and you and everyone out there. <laughs> Living in the what now? Do the last thing 
God told you to, or just keep on keeping on until you hear otherwise. Wait and be ready. And what God asks you to do next or leads you through may or may not be what you're thinking or anticipating. Is that okay? Does that encourage you this morning in living in the what now? Well, I'd love to pray for you if I can as the team comes. Lord, I just thank you for your word this morning and the encouragement and the stirring and the challenge that it can bring to us at times. Lord, I pray that as we head into our week, Lord, that we surrender our lives to you, especially if we're living in the what now. Help us to stick to your directive. Be ready for the next thing. Encourage us in the keep on keeping on, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would be with us as we're waiting and being ready. Show us what that looks like. Lead us to what that looks like for us as individuals. And, Lord, when you do give us a direction, if that is something that is out of left field, then, Lord, help us step out the boat in faith, knowing that you're with us and that you're carrying us through. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I'm just mindful that there are people listening online and people in the room here today who perhaps haven't been walking with Jesus and allowing him to lead them through life. And this is a perfect moment to go, you know what, I don't want to live like that anymore. The Bible tells us to those who believe in his name, he calls the right to be children of God. So I encourage you this morning, if you're far from God, whether you've been in relationship with him before or not, call on his name. Those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved, the Bible tells us. And it's as simple as that. And I would love to lead us all in a prayer together. And for those especially who are away from God, who want to reconnect for the first time or in a long time. Let's say this together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. Forgive me for the wrong things I've done and for living life on my own. Lord, I invite you into my heart today and I acknowledge you as my Lord and Saviour. Help me live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We bless you guys.